Hi and welcome to Be More Super the podcast. I'm Brian, your host, and I just wanted to welcome you back uh, for our return, returning listeners. Uh, thank you so much for supporting the show. We've had a great year and a half, two years since we started the podcast, and we've had some amazing guests. And these guests keep on coming, and this interview will definitely, definitely blow your socks off. And I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsors, which are Prop Store. Prop Store are based in LA and in London um, and they deal with props and costumes from your favourite movies and TV shows. So check out their website, PropStore.com. They do auctions throughout the year and they've got everything from every single TV and film that you you can ever think of. So check them out. Also, please, if you love this interview, check out our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is easy to find. Just put in be more super the podcast in the YouTube search. Give us a subscribe and enjoy the video version of this interview. So sit back, relax, get your popcorn ready and enjoy this week's episode. And remember, keep safe and stay super. Welcome to Be More Super the Podcast. In action packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. They're the answer to Are We Alone in the Universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, we've got a great guest from a great movie. In 1984, this movie changed the world uh, as it was. It's, of course, the awesome Ghostbusters. And we've got a great guest uh, that, that, that was involved in this iconic movie. It's, of course, Billy Brian, the master uh, creature, fabricator and special effects artist. Bri- uh, Billy, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. Good to be here. I keep on wanting to say Brian because your surname is Brian and it's spelled the same you've way. Got weird, you've got a weird first name. <laughs> I know. Last first, imagine being called Brian Brian. Who knows? Uh, oh, it, 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 it could have happened. So normally, before we talk about your awesome career, I normally ask, because the last two years have been challenging, to say the least, across the globe. It's something that affected us around the world. How have you kept positive and kept moving forwards over the last two years amongst this horrid pandemic? Actually, I will have to admit, I have kept negative. <clears throat> okay. That's good. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, I've uh, I've gotten my vaccinations every time they were available. I think I've got four of them in me now. Um, I've worn my mask almost everywhere I've gone, so that's a good way to to uh, stay. Um, actually, my my blood type is B positive, um, and so <laughs> you know it's it's just sort of natural to be positive. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been avoiding the uh, pandemic and I've been uh, getting a lot of work too because uh, a lot of the things I do, I can do at home. That is awesome. I mean, I've had uh, COVID twice now, uh, oh. but I've had all my vaccines. Um, so I think I'm collecting points uh, on oh, the amount, amount, amount of time, but I'm still here. And thank goodness for the vaccine and the work that the NHS do in the UK. I think they're all absolutely ama- ama- amazing and uh, they've done a stellar job. Um, so talking about your your career, so um, I mentioned Master Creature fab- Fabricator. 
Um, if before we talk about that, what is your origin story? You know, where did <laughs> Billy Bryan start out? Because your career is so awesome to read, it really is. I mean, as a young boy, did you always want to follow this path in this industry that you chose? No, it was a big surprise, I have to admit. Uh, when I was in high school, I I did uh, watch a show called Muppets on Puppets that uh, Jim Henson and Frank Oz put together in a basement of a church in, uh, I think, in Boston, maybe. Anyway, uh, I say Boston because it was on WGBH uh, TV that I saw it, our educational station. I come from a family of seven siblings and uh, we've and my mom and dad were both very artistic dad sang opera and uh, uh, he uh, photographed uh, magnificently and then did paintings and drawings from them and i followed in that uh, line of work as well um, now uh, when i watched the uh, muppets on puppets show it wasn't in order to learn how to build a, a Muppet. But at the end of the show, they did show how to work with foam. And uh, when I saw how simple it was, <laughs> it was just right for me because, um, you know, the, the foam does a lot of the work there. Uh, you know, you, you only have to do so much of the math and, and let the foam absorb some of some of the, the nuances. Uh, so, um, yeah, I started there. Um, I went to Syracuse University after high school. I had already been making some puppets. I had already been making some costumes when I went to Syracuse, but I went there as a, a metalsmithing major. I went to learn how to bang on gold and silver and stuff. <laughs> and then by the time I got to the end, I, I did graduate. I did get my degree, my fine arts degree. Um, but uh, the last year, I'll admit that my metal teacher was very kind to me. He said to me, you know, Bill, I can't believe that you haven't been doing anything this year. Could you just show me what it is that you've been doing? And so a parade of characters marched into the metal shop there at Syracuse. And he, he looked at him and said, all right, all right, you've been busy. <laughs> you get an A. <laughs> so uh, while... While I was there, because um, I had been doing uh, Halloween costumes to pick up a little bit of extra money, I would uh, go do their their uh, uh, contests at bars, and uh, then I could buy drinks and stuff. Uh, and so uh, some of my friends knew that I did that, and because Syracuse is a very heavy school in communication arts, the Newhouse School of Communication is is right there. And uh, so some of the friends were working on a project uh, for a class. It was a plant food commercial. And uh, they came to me and said, hey, could you build a plant costume for this for us? And so I said, sure, sounds like fun. It's going to cost you 50 bucks for materials. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I put together this, this cool costume. It had uh, leaves with serrated edges that came around the face. And uh, there were uh, roots on stockings. Um, and the body was kind of pineapple shaped. Uh, it was made out of uh, repeated hexagonal pieces that kind of blended together and, uh, and 
been uh, mathematically worked out to uh, uh, achieve the form. So I uh, handed it over to them. I wasn't there for the shoot, but uh, the guy doing the announcing on the commercial was a friend named Bruce Tufeld, and his father, Dick Tufeld, did the voice of the Lost in Space robot. And I I heard actually, well, the director at the end of the commercial went running into the control booth and said, so what do you think, Mr. Tufeld? Is there a place for me in Hollywood? And he said, no, but there's a place for the guy that made that costume. (laughs) And I heard about that a couple of days later at a party. And I thought, what? Wait, huh? You mean I don't have to be an impoverished silversmith on Cape Cod? Uh, maybe, uh, anyway, I sent Dick Tufeld a letter. It was, uh, at the time, the post office would accept a big triangle folded letter. Uh, and it had a picture of the uh, plant costume on it. And, uh, and it said, hey, I heard you said this about that. And uh, were you serious? And he called me back about a month later. Uh, it was my first transit, uh, you know, continental phone call. Um, and, uh, he said, look, I, I don't hire, I'm, I don't do this, but I was really impressed with your work and, uh, yeah, I think you could make a go of it here. So, uh, soon as I had graduated, I, uh, I put together about $300 so that I'd have a serious nest egg <laughs> and I got aboard my bicentennial rocket thumb. It was 1976 and I, you remember we uh, had a little dust up back then uh, <laughs> and uh, crossed the country, hitched across the country, hopped some freights to get the rest of the way there when the rides ran out, when I got to the desert. And uh, when I got there, I called Dick. I said, hey, I decided to follow your advice. He said, well, why don't you come on up for dinner? So I did. Um, went up to dinner. His uh, nephew, I think, is a pro f- football player. Uh, hand egg player to you uh football being something very different here uh <laughs> and uh and we had a wonderful meal there uh with his uh nephew or cousin or whatever and we uh, uh got i uh, kind of got our, a rundown on what the business might be like and then uh, a couple of weeks later dick went into uh, cbs and he told the a lady at uh, in wardrobe that he knew somebody who was doing what I do, and uh, she said, "Send him in." I went in, and I got some got some good numbers to call, and uh, ended up working at NBC, not CBS, for about five years. And uh, yeah, the the rest is mystery. Um, and what I, would you say, want, Billy? What would you say would is you say? is your secret to is your success? <laughs> Um, I saw Neil Gaiman do a matriculation speech from an art school a few years ago, and he said what I'm going to say, that in in business, in art, uh, it was an art school, um, you have to have three things. You have to be good, fast, and pleasant to work with. And um, he said, even if, if you, you're not that good on one one of them, as long as you got two, you know, fast and good, uh, good and easy. Um, the other one can slide a little. Well, coming into NBC, uh, which is television, Johnny Carson would want 
a gag by tonight. And so it had to be done right away. And that helped a lot. So that got me up to fast. I'm just naturally good. And I'm fairly pleasant to be around. So, <laughs> so it, that's my secret. Awesome. I mean, would you say, um, obviously, Ghostbusters, uh, which you can see at the bottom of your screen there in big writing, would you say Ghostbusters was your first sort of big break into the business? Um, it In a way, it was. Um, I had been there at NBC for five years, and that took me till about 81. I, uh, I was told that uh, they just didn't have any more work for me uh, and, and that I could probably make a little more money out there in the in the real world and so i got out there and started looking around i worked for a sid and marty croft i don't know if you remember them with the hr puffin stuff and uh, uh sigmund the sea monster and various shows like that they had on big puppet costume shows where uh, oh there was even lidsville which was about hats everybody's a hat there's uh i don't know anyway yeah so they were working on a show. Actually, Barbara Mandrell had had the Mandrell show or Barbara Mandrell show, and they had some puppets in that. And Barbara's sister, Erlene, wanted to go out on the road and, and be a star too. And Sid, Marty, said, uh, stick with me, little girl, and I'll make you a star. And so uh, it was on the heels of that. I went in, uh, helped them rebuild the Texas Critters so that those puppets could uh, go on the road with Erlene. And while there, I met a great guy named Mark Siegel, who was hired to sculpt on, a, on another show. I was doing foam fabrication, and Mark was sculpting in clay. The next job that Mark got was from Don Post Studios. You might know them from the masks, the um, uh, universal horror masks. Mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. Anyway, they they had originally been in in showbiz got into mask biz and wanted to try another foray in showbiz and they'd gotten the job to make still suits for dune mark was hired to sculpt the still suits and he said i don't think that's the right way to do it he said i think they should be fabricated well done <laughs> you're good at that um there i am on the right Mark Siegel is on the left, and in the middle is Jerry Goodman, world-famous uh, violinist uh, from such bands as The Flock and uh, the Mahavishnu Orchestra uh, at the time, and now he's been uh, with various other groups since then. Um, and uh, he wasn't working at the time, so I said he, he was my upstairs neighbor. I used to hear him practicing his pod Paganini oh, wow. in the morning. Oh, wow. And so I said, hey, uh, Jerry, you want to help build still suits? And he came in and uh, he was one of the approximate 10 folks, I guess we had, uh, gluing all those little pieces together onto the, uh, onto the leotards. And uh, so one of the folks that we hired there was named Linda Frobos. Um, she also is a clay sculptor more than a foam fabricator, but she took the gig. And then uh, her next job was on a little show called Ghostbusters. And uh, I didn't know. Um, I was working on another little project for Don Post. We were making silly rubber hats that had, uh, I don't know, there was a brain hat that had 
kick the whole thing off, a thinking cap. There was also a, can I say uh, shithead? If not, you can bleep it out. No, you can uh, say whatever you want. Don actually told me he has a picture of O.J. Simpson wearing a shithead mat, uh, hat. Um, and he said at the time, my wife always said that I'm a shithead. So um, I don't know if that led to anything. But um, Linda called Don to get my number. But I was there delivering one of those hats, the sculpture thereof. Um, and, um, so he handed me the phone and she said, uh, people here are wondering how, how to make a, uh, giant marshmallow man costume. And, and I started to tell her how, and she said, well, tell you what, why don't you come on in and talk to them about it? So I gathered up my stuff, uh, next day or so and, uh, wandered over, talked to Stuart Ziff, who was the head of the, the creature shop. Um, and also in the interview were Randy Cook, Randall William Cook, um, who is uh, an amazing uh, uh, stop motion animator. He did the uh, the terror dog animation as well as sculpture, and uh, the the little terror dog, not the big one. Um, Linda and Mike Hosh and various others did the big one. Um, I and also Steve Johnson was the other. Uh, interviewer there and the four of us sat there and yammered about uh, making stuff and uh, and they invited me to uh, stick around and start making making uh, marshmallow man and so I started by uh, do you, you don't have a picture of the maquette do you there's a couple of little uh, sculpt little yeah, clay sculptures um, you can see them if you get the the ghost the making of Ghostbusters book on page ninety nine. That's the beginning of my little Stay Puff chapter, um, and uh, and on a shelf behind me where I look like I'm sculpting the head of the Marshmallow Man, but I, I was sculpting a head of a Marshmallow Man. Linda Frobos eventually sculpted the real thing, but I just was trying to get a feel for scale and such. Um, but on the shelf behind me are the two maquettes that I did the, the first day. And then I was told, hey, you're working too fast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we, uh, we made several versions. Um, I tried uh, carving the foam to try to avoid having seams. But it's it ends up pretty rough. I mean, you can sand it down, but it's, it's a very long arduous process. Um, so we ended up building the suits out of sheet foam. Um, there's uh, the half inch layer of hundred pore white Scott foam on this on the surface. And then on the inside, uh, there's it's a, another foam. It's called L200. I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. okay. This is a project I'm working on right now, it, and uh, it's being I'm uh, making it out of L200, so you can get an idea for what kind of foam that is. Well, this is just eighth inch thick, but um, we use three quarter inch as an egg. In fact, there's even a picture of us uh, sitting in in uh, egg shaped uh, internal pieces from uh, from a variety of uh, Mr. Stay Puffs. Now, I wore the suit 
uh, in the opening shots. Actually, the very first shot, it was just the head, and so I wasn't wearing the the, the whole suit, but just the uh, just the head. And uh, the first first time you see Stay Stay Puff, you know, it's behind buildings, right? You just mm. see the head bobbing along. They wanted the head and the uh, the buildings in focus, so I couldn't wear the suit because that would have pushed me too far away from the buildings. So I just wore this T-shirt. It was a Michelin T-shirt. Uh, I had several, and uh, I still have. Actually, one's in the uh, Hollywood Museum right now uh, <laughs> in the Ghostbusters show because uh, there's in the that first opening shot uh, as the head bounces along behind the the buildings. We thought you wouldn't see the fact that I wasn't wearing the suit, but there is one alleyway between the buildings where for a flash, uh, it's like four frames, you can see the Michelin man on, <laughs> on the front of the shirt. And so it was sort of uh, subliminal advertising. And I still haven't gotten my check from Michelin, and I'm kind of mad about it. <laughs> I mean, did you, did I mean, you ever did think, you think uh, this character this would be character so, iconic so iconic years <laughs> on? I thought it was kind of silly, to be honest. I called my mom said, Mom, I got a part in a movie. She said, oh, that's great. What are you? Well, uh, it's a sort of a giant marshmallow man. Oh, that's nice, dear. <laughs> that's, she was positive about it. Dad, maybe a little less so. I remember uh, back when I first started doing puppets and uh, it because I didn't study for my midterms. Instead, I put together a puppet show and I made all of five bucks. Dad said, oh, great. So now you're going to be a puppeteer for the rest of your life. Seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> it seems to be working out. <laughs> so, uh, no, I didn't know for sure. I knew that the movie would be funny because I, when I read the script, I only knew that Bill Murray was in it. So I just read every line in my head in his voice and it was hilarious and that was without the ad-libs so i knew it would be big but i had no idea it would be that big and uh, i first and it's carried on for many years even with um afterlife which is a new film i mean obviously <laughs> it's it's moved on to cgi now which i me pers personally i'm not a massive fan of i like practical <laughs> effects uh, it, it was the same with Star Wars. You know, the originals uh, I just yep. absolutely love because they're more believable because they're practical oh, effects. So, do you think <laughs> CGI is is destroying, you know, what you do? Um, um, and yeah, we thought it would be, um, and uh, actually, that question always gets asked asked during uh, uh, Q and As at conventions when I'm there signing. And uh, so I like to ask or answer with a question. I ask the audience, how many people out there like cartoons? Everybody raises their hands. How many people out there want every movie you ever see from now on to be a cartoon? And the hands all come down <laughs> because there's always an element of that in the CG. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, it can be done really, really well. We've seen that 
in Jurassic Park, for instance, by combining practical and CG, then you get the best of both worlds. Uh, Doc Ock, which I helped puppeteer on uh, in uh, in Spider-Man 2, not in the latest uh, multiverse, because uh, that one went all, all digital. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, we ended up doing uh, everything within four feet uh, was practical and everything beyond that John Dykes took over with his uh, CG. Now, one of the things I like to say, again, you said I can say anything, right? Because uh, one of the way, one of the things I feel about CG versus practical effects, I feel the same way about CG that I feel about silicone boobs. Because if you see really great effects, let's say, nowadays you're just going to assume that they're silicone. I mean, CG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. And 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 you know what? It's like scene painters. You know the artists that used to do the backgrounds on like the glass, and that's like a dying art because literally it's all done computer now, which which is sad. It is. It's it's unfortunate. But hey, you know what? Can't stop progress. Yes, Um, that that is true. (laughs) Now Aryan Tweeten, who did the uh, effects for uh, Afterlife, called me up uh, before it came out. He asked me out to lunch, and he admitted to me that when he had seen the mini Marshmallow Man in the script, he said, we got to get Bill. And uh, then he went to Jason and said, we got to get Bill. And Jason said, that would be great, but it's already in the pipeline. It's already been assigned to the CG and they've got somebody already uh, probably ZBrushing it up or something. Uh, And so it didn't end up happening. I'm told that on the next one, I'll get a call. Oh, that is awesome. That that will be awesome because it's quite nice, isn't it, to sort of get some recognition of being part of the OG, uh, as they say. I mean, did you watch Afterlife? What did you think of it? Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I felt like uh, they did what they had to do. They needed to get through a, a, a transition, a, 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 what do they call it, the passing of the baton. Oh. Um, we, we, I mean, I think it was a tiny bit lame, the, uh, the here it comes, here it comes, here it comes, what are we going to do, what are we going to do? Oh, look, there's guys here. They can do it. It was, uh, I don't know, it felt like the uh, the ramping up could have been mm-hmm. a, a little more gently done, perhaps, or, or effectively for that little moment. But, hey, I'm not trying to uh, lose my job on the next one. So, yeah. But to be honest, I, I thought the movie was uh, wonderful because of obviously my age and watching the, the original. Yes. Uh, and obviously for Harold as well, I thought, well, there wasn't a dry eye in that cinema. Oh, no, it no, really it was wasn't. Sad. And I just thought it was awesome, and 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 to see the original Ghost Ghostbusters, you know, yeah. appear for me, literally, I nearly stood up and cheered. So it's quite <laughs> nice that we're revisiting that nostalgia. Uh, but apart from being the Marsh Marshmallow Man and 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 making that cost costume, which I think I'm going to put another pi- picture up because you uh, did you I'm work on the miniature that. sets? 
I'm standing on the miniature set in that costume. Ah, there you go. What was that like? I mean, the visibility in that costume must have been near enough zero. Well, actually, I looked out through the mouth. Okay. And so it was. Uh, there was a black screen, and but uh, you know that doesn't really cut down that much visibility. And so um, I could see in front of me. I couldn't see down. I couldn't see my feet because I. Rotund, um, <laughs> and so um, my assistant Diana Heyman uh, uh, would. Uh, she was she was down below polishing my feet to make sure that it, it looked good because they were, mm. uh, you know, they were the the most at risk part. Uh, you know, when you, when you walk, you're bound to hit some dirt. Yeah. Um, so uh, we made one suit for me. And then we made about at least eight. I've said 18, but I don't think that's true. Uh, <laughs> we made a whole bunch of suits because every time you light up a suit, it burns. Mm -hmm. And uh, it only burns. I mean, it's only effective for a few seconds, partly because uh, Joe Viscoso, the pyro guy, may he rest in peace, uh, under Thane Morris, uh, our head pyro guy but uh, he's still kicking and uh, I just saw him recently I'll tell you in a minute but uh, 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 Joe Viscosal would make these little cigarette butt sized uh, mortars they're really just paper uh, tubes mm -hmm. uh, with a little bit of uh, uh, black powder and a little bit of strontium inside and as it burnt the black powder would go off, the strontium would be launched, and strontium burns red. So we get all these little little rockets coming off the chest of Stay Puffed. Um, you see them, um, there were front view shots, there were back view shots, there were side view shots. Um, the zipper on the suit is on the side away from camera. So, for instance, for this shot right here, the zipper would be down my back. Um, and that was where it was on the suit that mostly I wore. Um, but then Tony Cesar, who's uh, a famous burn guy, they brought him in. He did uh, The Thing. He did uh, Jason, this and that, you know, Friday the 13th. Lot of burns. Um, I think that maybe Chucky. I forget. Anyway, um, uh, so uh, Tony came in to, uh, to do those shots, and you put on a suit. Uh, he, he would dip his suit, his uh, undersuit in his gel, slip it on, put on the suit, uh, put on his applied, uh, I mean, supplied air helmet, and then put the, the head on over that. Um, he was told, don't worry, no flame's going to get inside, it's solid. He said, nope, I'll do it my way. <laughs> and he was yeah. glad he did because there were moments when he saw flames between him and the, and the head. So it was good to know that he was well protected and a professional and not dying. Uh, so now 
about the uh, the uh, front view and back view and side view suits, that half inch layer that I was telling you about that goes over over the L two hundred layer, um, it it's just stretched, and the wrinkles and seams are hidden under the arms, under the bib, uh, you know, and then it finishes right about here, that far, just past the horizon. And so then there's another piece of foam added in the back just, just to complete the coverage. But uh, you would never see that because it's on the side away from camera. There were some other things that I did to avoid seeing seams. The hat was, uh, it was sculpted and cast. So it had a seam halfway across. Um, and so if it were uh, rotated um, perpendicular to the camera, then you would see that seam. So for side view shots, I would cut the, uh, the bulge of the hat off, rotate it 90 degrees and glue it back to the hat band with stay puffed on it. Um, and that way uh, the seam would always be parallel to the frame and you would not see it. Wow. What else? <laughs> wow. Do you know what? We're getting such a great insight in, in, into the marsh, Marshmallow Man. Question is, though, is so you mentioned there's one in a museum. Do you know if there's any, you know, existing oh, pieces left? I don't know. I mean, I, the, the one I mentioned that they said might be in a museum. I, I know it, the one suit that survived, because it's the one I wore and didn't burn, um, it did go for for a visit to Japan in 86 or 87, something like that. And at the time, Japan had all the money, uh, you know, uh, international uh, economics being the way they are. It, it comes and goes in various places. And they were they were doing really well at the time. And so some my theory was anyway that. And my hope was that some some rich uh, Japanese uh, collector had it in a in a hermetically sealed uh, container in a in an air conditioned uh, museum. That would be great, you know, his own personal or something. At least then it, it wouldn't be gone. But I don't know. Yeah, I suppose at the time, I suppose that these prop masters or the people that's looking after the costumes at the moment in time they don't think it's going to be an iconic piece 20 30 40 years down 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 the line so it's quite nice oh, to see pieces pop up i mean the sponsors yeah. of my show is prop store and they've got oh. an auction uh, a couple of times a year and they deal with screen use props and costumes um so it's nice to see when things pop up from iconic shows and films like Ghostbusters but you have worked on so many you know projects I could be here all week na naming them but to name a few you've worked on Chucky, Men in Black, Dune, Species, Jurassic Park 3, Sorcerer's Apprentice which I even I, I think is a great film and even Jackass Forever which which I think is awesome from from your IMDB I mean what's been the most challenging project that you've worked on uh, the one i'm the most proud of is men in black it's the grouchy guy there he is i figured out a way to use plastic bags to make effects and uh, so that's an inflated 
baggy, really, uh, or lots of baggies. I'm inside of that. Mom said, don't pull a plastic bag over your head, but I did it anyway. <laughs> I made some money on it. Uh, um, this was Slug Guy. Um, Rick Baker uh, was already involved in the project when he said to the, the producers and director, Barry Sonnenfeld, he said, you know, um, this this is a movie about aliens. Shouldn't there be a scene where there's a bunch of aliens? And so they went ahead and wrote in this uh, this airport scene. Uh, and uh, then they said, OK, get busy. And he said, I can't do it. I'm too busy with the anchor bug and the various other pieces that I had already been assigned. So it became kind of like the, the world's coolest Halloween costume contest, kind of. All the shops in town got a couple of pieces. Uh, we had three actually at Steve Johnson's shop where I was working. Uh, and uh, there was slug guy, scared guy, and uh, jellyfish guy. Uh, and you see them go by. Uh, Carlos Juentes had done a, a drawing of all these creatures standing in line. And so we just went through and picked three, <laughs> and uh, those were the ones. Rick said to Steve, you know, um, I would really like it to be translucent, but that would probably make it prohibitively heavy. And Steve said, you know, I don't think that's going to be the problem. <laughs> and so it wasn't. The problem was that it hissed like a lot of snakes because <laughs> we had... We had compressors and uh, and vacuum cleaners blowing air into this thing. I I tried making silencers and they sort of worked, but I I made them out of like plastic water bottles and I mean I, I looked up the the technology behind gun silencers and I figured out how I could at least redirect the air flow to make it a little less hissy, but still it was. It was noisy, and Barry Sonnenfeld wanted it off his set. So uh, as soon as we got started, he said, all right, here's your line. This is what you get. You become slug guy it get, or grouchy, you know. Uh, don't get too close to him. He's grouchy. And then you're done. You're out. You're gone. <laughs> and so <laughs> we were, it was, and we finished it up pretty quickly. I did you know get what? asked to... Yeah, go on, sorry. I, I got asked, asked to come back and puppeteer again uh, later at, uh, on the uh, Edgar Bug. And, but Steve Johnson already had me assigned to build a Statue of Liberty costume for a commercial for, for New York, New York in Vegas. And uh, so I told him I couldn't take the gig. And then Steve found out how much I could have been making as a puppeteer. And he said, oh, wait, tell him, tell him you'll take it. We'll figure something out. So I called again. They said, uh, sorry, we already reassigned it. And so Steve said he'd give me a raise till it was done. So that was okay. And then I found out <laughs> that Edgar Bug got turned CG. And so mm. I wouldn't have gotten any puppeteering on it anyway. <laughs> so I got my raise. That <laughs> so is awesome. it worked I mean out I mean, looking back over your career, because, again, you've worked on so many things, what's the one thing that you wish you knew when starting your career that you know now? Oh, well, 
I, I wish I knew how to bid. <laughs> I didn't learn that at Syracuse. I should have. I mean, I could have, but uh, I was a metalsmithing major, not a costume foam guy. I mean, I was doing sculpture or calling it sculpture uh, when I was making these costumes. Um, so when I first came to L.A., uh, the, the first gig that Dick Tufeld tried to get me, he went to his buddy over at uh, on the Mickey Mouse Club at Disney. And uh, I went in and talked to talked to a fellow, and uh, he said, "So, uh, plant costume looks great. How how much would it cost, and how long would it take?" Ah, jeez, it didn't take me any time. Didn't take. And so, you know, that's not a professional response. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it, it wasn't really. <laughs> well, that's why it took me another couple of weeks, or another week or so, before I actually got working there in town because uh, NBC was willing to just, uh, you know, give me a salary and and then let them reap the benefits. Awesome. So, awesome. yeah, that one. But, so let's talk about conventions because you're coming over to the UK um, on, so, is it July, is it July the... 8th to 10th July yeah. of July. Yes, to the London Film and Comic Con, and you've 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 done quite 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 a few, if I'm right in saying, um, with the help of Cool Water Productions, with the wonderful Derek, uh, which has yes. helped me arrange this interview. So a massive shout wow. out to them. Um, I mean, do you like doing conventions? I mean, what's the the greatest thing about about doing them? The greatest thing about conventions is is I get to go places, um, and I get to see people that really enjoy the stuff. Um, I, uh, I enjoy, I mean, you hear how I rattle on, um, <laughs> people come over for a, a, an autograph and they, they get an earful, uh, That's awesome. but I can't help it. <laughs> no, no, that is, that, 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 that is really good because there's some, there's some people at conventions, literally, it's like a conveyor belt. You go up and you've got to think these people have saved money to to go up and get an autograph or get a picture with you and it's quite nice to hear that you take time with them because you know ghostbusters for instance has made an impact in so many people's lives uh as well as mine i think the film is absolutely glorious um i mean what years what's that sorry 38 years ago It's shocking in it to think. (laughs) It's always amazing to me. (laughs) It was shocking because I watched Maverick, you know, Top Top Gun Maverick the other night. And then thinking back of when the original came out, it's 36 years, I think it is. Um, 86? Yeah, uh, 86, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, but, 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 is there anything that you don't like about conventions or do you, do you just love them? Well, my fear is, uh, I mean, obviously right now COVID is now a way of life mm-hmm. and hopefully just that. Um, and yeah, it's a little scary. I'll have to admit it. I may, I'll probably be masked and uh, sorry about that. Y'all it'd be great to see my, happy smiling face but it's going to be covered with something uh which is fine yeah, which is uh, fine i mean i mean the uk um our pandemic over, over over here has reduced massively and i think that's because of the uptake of vaccinations and people actually 
following gui guidance. So we don't hear much about COVID anymore. But there's nothing wrong with masking up. I mean, it's your safe, safe, safety. You're going into a place that's going to have thousands upon thousands of people. So your risk has been heightened. And I'm sure that people can watch this interview and see your fantastic beard because I'm just jealous. I wish I could grow a beard like that. Mine's just... Let me tell yeah. you about my beard. My beard deserves its own IMDB page because I, I've been giving it to my friend Sasha Camacho Van Dyke, who, uh, who is the wife and hair uh, specialist at Vincent Van Dyke FX shop. And so I, when I, it reaches a certain length, I, uh, I take it all off and then I, I give it to them. I mean, they say I could get some money for it, but I don't know. It feels weird. Um, so instead, what I ask is just keep track of what it goes into. So you ready? Yep. Macbeth, Denzel Washington's severed head at the very end of Macbeth has some of my beard as some of his beard. The Outer Range, Josh Brolin grew his own little uh, goatee, and then they shot the whole series, I guess, and then uh, he got another gig, shaved, and they suddenly called him for some, uh, some uh, pickups. And so Sasha made a goatee for Josh. Oh, now this one. Am I allowed? Mm. Oh, well, they have started showing pictures of uh, Bradley Cooper as Leonard Bernstein. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to reveal um, anything about any beards that might show up in a movie like that. So, <laughs> but if there were one, it's all made out of mine. <laughs> that is, and you're right. You should have your, your beard should have its own IMDB. That is, that right. is the, the, the most bizarrest and, and greatest story I've heard. Honestly, your beard is literally Josh Brolin, Denzel Washington and Bradley Cooper. That is absolutely <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so the, actually, I I'm sorry, I have to uh, interject. I did just build the uh, the Gorilla Glue Gorilla again, and there's some in there too. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I just I made sure that they included some. <laughs> <laughs> so your 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 beard is everywhere, basically, which is which yeah. is awesome. Um, so the eighth to the tenth of of July. Uh, have you got any plans on coming over earlier to do a bit of sightseeing? <laughs> We're coming over on the 6th, and we're leaving on the 14th. We have some good friends, uh, the Bueno, uh, you know, Anthony and Claire Bueno, brother and sister, who produced and directed the uh, Cleaning Up the Town uh, documentary. Um, and, uh, yeah, we got to be good friends uh, talking about that here. And then uh, I've seen them various places. Uh, and uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I just... It, I'm bringing my girlfriend, so uh, um, we don't want to just only be on a on an airplane and in a hotel and in a convention center. So, yeah, we're going to grab a few extra days. Well, luckily you're coming in, in July because um, there's a massive train strike uh, on the 21st, 23rd and 25th of June. 
So oh. you're quite you're quite lucky you're coming just after that because I'm I I'm off to the Royal Albert Hall to see Superman the movie being played with oh. the Royal uh, the Royal um, Philharmonic Orchestra. So so I don't know how yeah. I'm going to get down there, but it's going to be a mission because it's on the day that they've got the strike. Oh. But do you oh, know what? I wish you. Sorry, you 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 usually take the trains. Well, down to London. So I'm I'm in Man Mansfield here, which is right next to Nottingham. So we're about three and a half hours drive from Lo from London. But if you catch a train, it takes about an hour and ten minutes, which is wonderful. Um, and then and then they announced the strike, and I was like, no, it's like it was never meant to be because it's already been cancelled from I think it was last year because of the pandemic. So. Oh, okay. Hopefully, I mean, I I will get down there even if I've got to walk. Uh, if it's still <laughs> on, I'm that determined. Uh, but Billy, you've been a great guest. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we've had oh, a wonderful it. insight. It is, yeah. I'm looking at the time. I've got, uh, unfortunately, I've got a oh. night full of full of interviews. We've been on nearly an hour. Um, but do you know what? It's been lovely, and I'd love to have you on again in the future because. You know, I think we've only scratched the surface of your career. Okay. And do you okay. know what I really like is... Have, sorry, go on. I thought uh, this might be a good opportunity for me to suggest to the audience that if they'd like to see my resume wrap... Have you seen it? No. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube, and it's under Bill Bryan's... You see how to spell it? Bill Bryan's resume wrap. R-A-P, not W-R-A-P. And uh, when you go on the thumbnail is the Hollywood sign. It just happened to be in the middle. But it's uh, in 2016 for the, uh, what was the other one? Uh, answer the Call? No, I forget. Well, after, okay, Answer the Call. For when that movie opened, I went to Japan to, uh, to also sign some autographs and also interview a little bit and while standing there in front of the a theater full of of uh, aficionados somebody asked me we know you did the marshmallow man but what else have you done and i had a log jam uh there was too much to say i didn't know how to say it and so i decided that would never happen again and so i started writing and then uh, compiling little snippets of the movies it starts, I've been a schmellow, been a schweezel, been a bitch in a pit. Chucky wasn't done until I'd done my bit. And it goes on from there. And uh, you can see that if you'd like there. I will I will put the link under this video. And I urge everyone, because just, just from that, I think it's going to be an awesome video to watch. Um, but yeah, so the 8th to the 10th of July, everyone near L London or close, get down there, meet Bill Bryan get your marshmallow man i mean do do people mainly get the pictures signed with marshmallow man or do you have um you know a, a bit a bit of chucky or do you get a bit of army of darkness uh, i get a few of each um more of uh, ghostbusters of course um and uh Sorry, my phone just uh, distracted me. I should turn it over. Um, <laughs> um, what was I? <laughs> oh, they usually bring Funkos, things like that, Funko Pop, that sort of thing. And so I've developed a, a way of writing on these. Or anyway, the various toys 
a lot of those. Um, yeah, usually I'll just say to whomever and stay puffed and sign my name. So that's what you'll get. Not just a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, not like an Albertino, which is just like a circle. Uh, but no, no, that's great, great news. And as as I said a moment ago, I'd love to have, have you on again in the future because uh, seriously, I think we've only just scratched the surface of uh, your career. And I love the fact that I, you know, I want to give light to the people behind the camera, the people that do all the hard, hard work, you know, to make these creatures come to life and and all the work that happens behind the camera. Because I think sometimes for the viewers, we don't see that. We don't see the magic that actually happens behind the scenes. Did you see Jackass four and a half, four point five, <laughs> on Netflix maybe? Um, I think I've seen them all. <laughs> yeah, the is is it the documentary well, about the film? It's the behind the scenes for yes. for Jack. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because that's the one where you do get to see behind the scenes more than than uh, in the actual movie. <laughs> it's Although good. It's good. It's good. Um, they're, they're all they're all getting a bit older. I don't know if 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 obviously you've been involved. You know, Johnny Knoxville is looking like he shouldn't be doing half the half the stuff he's doing. Uh, but yeah. it's it's always going to be entertaining. It really is. Right. Thank you so much. Look after yourself, Billy. You've been listening to Be More Super, the podcast. It was kind of a crazy, fun experience. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends. In my world, it means hope.